welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and returning to the show is Dr. Anthony Avellino. He's a highly regarded pediatric neurosurgeon and is presently the medical director of pediatric neurosurgery at Valley Children's Healthcare in Fresno, California. He's also the author of Finding Purpose, A Neurosurgeon's Journey of Hope and Healing. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. Um, Tony, um, welcome back to the show. Um, I'll, I'll join, reintroduce you for a second. So Tony is a pediatric neurosurgeon. Um, he's also an experienced healthcare administrator. He's done a lot of different things, done, had a lot of success organizing healthcare systems. Um, he also has been very open with his own personal battle with burnout and depression, which we talked about on the last podcast. So I encourage you, if you want to know the background of Tony, to really listen to that last podcast. But what we want to focus on this time is, um, you know, how he came out of it. He's doing life is good and he didn't get there by accident. So he has some wisdom to share with him, which I'm excited about. So Tony now lives in the Fresno area um, of California. And what hospital are you at, Tony, down there? I'm the medical director of pediatric neurosurgery at Valley Children's Healthcare. Got it. So, Tony, welcome back, and I uh, appreciate you taking the time. I just learned a few things myself talking to you on the last podcast. So, just in summary, Tony went through severe burnout. Like myself, he had a suicidal depression. He and I shared a pretty similar experience where we actually both almost committed suicide with carbon monoxide, and uh, we pulled back out at the last second. And something going that deeply in the hole helps you come out and start moving forward. So what I'm interested in this podcast, what we're interested in is the dark side was there. We talked about anxiety being a driving force, a limited amount of stress, not trying to talk to our patients. But what we're really interested in the different ways you came out of that hole. Yeah, uh, Dave, um, I often say I wish uh, I knew 35 years ago what I know today because I would have lived a more happy, joyful, and peaceful life. Um, I also wish I would have known the signs and symptoms of burnout because my burnout probably started in college, medical school. Uh, But I also um, wish I learned about mental health, physical health, and relationship health. And what I mean about relationship health, because having healthy relationships along the journey of life is actually really important. Um, But what I learned, though, um, that you have to listen, you have to learn, you have to heal. And then there's some tools around that to find purpose. Uh, Because for me, I was too concerned about climbing the ladder and not letting the journey of life unfold. And what I mean about listen, learn, and heal, listening to your to discover your life journey, because everyone has their own story. Um, your story and my story aren't, aren't, aren't unique. What is your story? Where are you now? But also how you can develop a deeper understanding of yourself and what your purpose is. Uh, learning, uh, learning from your failures. I, I know it's a, a bit of a bit of a cliche, but really um, learning is where do you need to be, um, how you overcome your personal struggles and difficulties, how you cope under heavy external pressure. 
because uh, I because as you and I discussed uh, in, in the first show is you, I think you need a little bit of anxiety to develop resilience. Uh, right. And I think people have a uh, have different thresholds for that. But lastly, is you know you have to heal uh, because in order to achieve a healthy and more purposeful life, um, you have to heal. So what what are you doing to take the necessary action to change? Do you have a plan? Uh, but oftentimes you have to. One of the most important things that you mentioned uh, initially is what what brings you joy, and how are you finding happiness? Uh, and I think that's really important because I often say is, do you do one thing every week that brings you joy? And it could be all sorts of things from listening to music, prayer, meditation, journaling, gardening, exercising, whatever brings you joy to lower the anxiety or stress levels, I think is actually really important. Well, I like to mention, um, Tony did write a book, Finding Purpose, A Neurosurgeon's Journey of Hope in Healing. And it is um, organized around the um, listen, learn, and heal. So I'd like to just take those one at a time for a second. And let's go to the listen part, because <laughs> my wife gives me it's sort of a joke, but not, a really, not really a joke, is that listening is not exactly a surgeon's forte. When you say listen, um, what do you mean by listening? You know, I, I think listening to your story, um, listening to yourself, taking a pause and not worrying about always climbing the ladder. I mean, the word I use is awareness, which yeah. is sort of this. Is that is that a similar concept? Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Right. And the problem is when you get so obsessed with climbing the ladder, you sort of lose awareness. You can't really listen if you're climbing so fast. Mm -hmm. And so learning to, and so the problem I think as physicians, particularly surgeons, is that we're so programmed to keep moving at 100 miles an hour, that when we have a chance to relax, we have no energy hardly to do anything. So I don't know about you, how did you learn to listen? Yeah, I, I think uh, stepping back um, and having the ability to um separate your personal and work life, I think is one of the important things. Because um, what I've learned over the, I would say the last five years is some tools to achieve a better work-life balance. And I have to be careful when I say work-life balance because it's not working less, it's working more efficiently and taking time to do things that bring you joy or that are important to you and having the ability to say no to things. Because if you always say yes to everything, you're gonna say yes to things that you are not gonna be helpful. Yeah, that's a big one. That's probably my personal biggest challenge right now is learning how to word, learn that word no. Because yeah. <laughs> I mean, we don't, we honestly, as residents, we aren't really allowed to say no, are we? No, you know, and it, it was interesting because I, I was having a conversation with, with, with some colleagues about this last week, because as a resident, you always said yes, you know, and so, so, uh, so how many times do you say yes, 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 you're working on a project or, or you're doing something that at the end of the day, it's done, but it, but it, it didn't really add anything. Right, <laughs> right. So, um, so anyway, that's a big one. And then the second thing is listen and then learn. And you have a parenthesis in your book from failures. 
So I do think one of the most tragic things in life is to fail and then fail, but never learn anything. I mean, that's pretty common. I mean, I did this for many years myself. You fail. Instead of learn, so I th think you have to take that space. Okay, I failed. What happened that I could do differently the next time? Or what I used to do is just keep beating my head against the same wall over and over and over again, which makes no sense. But if you fail and don't learn, I think that's just really tragic. Yeah, because oftentimes, uh, you know, it, it's a lot harder said than done, but how you continually self-improve, but how you remain coachable. And oftentimes as human beings, we don't want to, uh, we all, we have a hard time taking feedback. Um, and as a surgeon, uh, especially as a surgeon, I, I think surgeons have a, uh, a difficulty because in the operating room, you are the captain and it's all right. I, but how do you get from I to we, you know, but, uh, but, but, I, but I think, you know, the, the, the other thing I would say, Dave, is if you fail, you want to recognize that you're failing or you did something and then learn from it quickly. Uh, Cause you, you don't want it to sort of, cause you, you don't want it to keep on going. Um, and I, and I think it's sort of like the pain, right? You know, it's uh, that, that pain cycle, right? You know, and so how do you, uh, that pain cycle feeds. Um, and so if you're going to stop the pain cycle, instead of feeding it, how do you sort of cut it out? Uh, how do you cut it off uh, relatively quickly? Right. Well, again, that's creating that space, you know, by listening and understanding what's going on and becoming aware. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I mean, looking back at my life, I was in chronic pain essentially my whole life in a way. I came from an abusive background and I just didn't know what, I was in pain. I was like, like a lobster that had increasing hot water and all of a sudden I was in trouble. So if you're used to chaos and fixing and just, I mean, your behavioral patterns get set and become a reality, but they not, may not be very constructive. So that listen thing is a big deal. And what's happening now for me in my journey is that I'm now becoming really aware of if I see something and somebody reacts in a way that's not perfect or something's off, I'm just starting to become aware of my tone of voice. What did I say? How did I say it? And then if I fail, I'm trying to learn from it. But you, you're dead on saying that once a resident sometimes gets into practice, he becomes uncoachable. Yeah. Have you noticed that? Yeah, you know, and, okay, and I'm a surgeon and, and you can't teach me anything more. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and I think your your first five years in practice, I, I think people are coachable because they're too afraid to ask for help or they're too afraid to show a sign of weakness. Uh, right. Because when you finish your training, you're like, OK, well, I know everything. I've done everything great. Uh, but when you finish your training, you've never really had things alone. I mean, you, you always had sort of another person there. Right. You know, and so, you know, and so. Uh... So I want to spend a little bit of time. So we talk about listen, learn. And I like to spend a little time on the heal factor because you have some tools that you mentioned that can help in the healing process. And so I think healing is a deliberate effort. I think time by itself actually doesn't work. I think with time, unless you actually have deliberate practices in place, and things tend to get worse, not better. So to me, healing is something we take charge of your life and you take charge of healing strategies. So I'm curious, you mentioned your the running was one, spending time with family and friends was another, but I'm just curious as far as specific approaches in healing, yeah. how would you categorize your healing journey? 
Yeah, so it's really about three things, uh, three tools, I say, to for someone to achieve a better work-life balance and lead a healthier, peaceful, and purposeful life. And they are, one, make a plan, two, is improve efficiency, and then three, be a corporate athlete. What I mean by that is, number one, make a plan. So what is your, what is your, what is your why? What is your life vision? What brings you joy? What do you really want to do? Uh, but also within make a plan is uh, putting things on your calendar so people know that they're important. Like, for example, I was not the best dad until I was 50 years of age. So when I became 50, I drove my kids to school at least once a week. Um, uh, two is I took my son out uh, for breakfast um, once a week. Uh, when my daughter was home and not in college, we went out to dinner once a week. And my wife and I have coffee every two weeks. Uh, right. and those are in my calendar and it gives me the opportunity to pause. Um, and two is from an improved efficiency uh, uh, standpoint is oftentimes with the social media and the iPhones and the Androids, you know, technology and email take up a huge percentage of our life. Um, and so uh, when I say about improved efficiency, one question I always ask people, well, when you go to sleep, do you sleep with your iPhone? And I say, well, why? I mean, because, well, then they say, well, uh, it actually wakes me up. I'm sorry, say that again? I, I think I lost you on this one. Uh, so, so one is, as I ask, uh, do, do you sleep with your iPhone or your Android near, near your bed? And the question that I get is, okay, well, yeah, I use it as an, I use it as an alarm clock. And I say, well, I mean, if you're on call, great, you can have your phone uh, next, next to your bed. But if you don't, I mean, you're more apt to wake up in the middle of the night, check the phone or check whatever you're doing. Uh, and and uh, I don't think that is the um, healthiest thing. But also I'd say when you look, when you go on vacation, do you bring your phone with you and do you check your work email or your work stuff? Um, because if you're doing that, then you're not having the ability to recharge because uh, you need when you're on vacation or when you're away, um, you have to be confident in your partners to um, help you out. Right. Um, and then third is being a corporate athlete because healthy mind, healthy body is a happy family and a happy person. Uh, but from a stress management, what are the things you actually do? Is it mindfulness, meditation, journaling, exercise, gardening, but also is managing boundaries? Because I think this is a really, it's a lot harder said than done, but separating your work and personal life. Uh, like, for example, on your ride home at night, is there a spot in the road or an area that you can just say, okay, well, now I'm turning off my work mind and I'm going to be committed to home. And as surgeons, it's very difficult to turn it off, right? Right. You know, so, um, uh, but then, uh, but I think the other thing about being a corporate athlete, you have to ask yourself is you get to choose what type of day you have. And what I mean by that, if you wake up angry with your spouse or your dog, or your kids, you're going to bring a lot of that negativity to work and, and the day is going to be shot. And so right. really, you know, having the ability to say, well, uh, today I'm going to be pain free. Today is going to be a great day um, is a really important mantra. 
you know, that's a fascinating way. I mean, we, we do have very similar journeys, but you know, the process of mirror neurons that, you know, mm -hmm. somebody yawns, other people yawn, or yep. somebody yep. laughs, other people laugh. And it's not psychological, but you're stimulating those parts of other people's brains. And of course, there's a real debate about the nature of this mirror neuron effect. But nonetheless, you know, um, they've done research where they, where football fans watch a quarterback throw a football and the throwing center lights up in the, in the fans' brains. So if you're in a bad mood and you walk in the door, I don't care what you say, that gets transmitted to your family. And so I think it's a very interesting point about you pick a spot. Okay, I'm done with work. I'm going to go home. And my wife about oh, it meant 15 years ago, all her politics were taking place. I'd come home and just rant about what was going on. And she finally said, stop. And I go, what do you mean? This is my life. It's important. Yeah. And it took me a while to, 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 to figure this out, but she didn't need that. It didn't really help me come home and relax. I was bringing my troubles home. So we're, so if I bring it into the house and my house is a place of safety, that doesn't really work, does it? No, and that's that's where listening comes come comes in. Uh, you know, is uh, listening to others that um, love and support you, so you remain coachable and you can have that ability to turn things off and recharge. But I also have to I'll challenge my audience a little bit though. It does go both ways. So. Okay, say she's been at work all day, comes home, and the husband has to be, happens to be the house father or whatever. And you come home, and the person at home all starts unloading their troubles on you. And so it goes both ways. Oh, no, I agree. Yeah, no, I'm wrong with you. <laughs> so anyway, um, anyway, so I, um, so, and then also you talk about a corporate athlete, because you also are still doing ultra marathons, right? Yes. You know, and, and I'm at total peace in the mountains. I'm, I often say that my ultra running is what keeps me connected to helping others. Um, and it gives me the ability to recharge. Right. Uh, and sometimes do my, uh, I find uh, hope and healing on the trails. And when you see, I'm just curious, when you're doing, are you competing or just running the marathons? Yeah, so uh, so it, it, it's interesting. Uh, Ultra, ultra races are a race is longer than a marathon, and it usually takes place on trails or the mountains. And, uh, and for me and for many people, it's more of a spiritual, uh, it's more of a spiritual journey because uh, it's not about time. It's about finishing, you know, and, uh, and it's really about life, right? I mean, you have to start, you have to prepare, you have to act as a team. Um, but you actually have to finish, you know? And so it, it's really about the journey. Um, uh, I'm also curious about what's the longest one you've run? A uh, hundred miles. <laughs> <laughs> like, was that in Death Valley or something? No, you know, and, and, and to be honest with you, Dave, uh, it puts a tremendous amount of um, uh, pressure on my family. And my wife uh, doesn't particularly like the hundred mile races because they go on for all, all day. Um, you know, it takes me 24 plus hours. I mean, you know, and it's a long, long day, but I, you know, I, I must say that my sweet spot is really the 50 K or the 50 mile, uh, because it's races that you can get done in, um, in a reasonable time. And it doesn't take you an enormous amount of time to recover. And how much, how much do you train in a given week to, to sustain shape for these things? 
Yeah, you know, um, it depends when, when I'm when I'm really preparing for races, you know, it's a lot, but 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 you know, I've I've learned about my body over the last 10, 15 years. And I only run Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. I cross train on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I sometimes take Sunday off. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's fantastic. And then you said um, the last thing you mentioned, as far as about you said some some tactics. Um, what, what did you mean by different tactics? Yeah, and so one, I, I say my biggest accomplishment, one of my biggest accomplishments, is being married for twenty nine years. And uh, and I often say is life is like an ultra marathon. You must stay in the present and let the journey unfold. But my wife and I really developed. Uh, Tactics. And what I mean by that, if you take each letter of tactics, T is take time for yourself and lead a peaceful life. A is always eat healthy, exercise and sleep. And I would argue that sleep is one of the most important things that you can do. Uh, C is continually self-improve. T is treasure family and friends. I is I choose the day I have. C is control disappointments and respond positively. And S is smile and laugh. Love it. So those that are familiar with my process, my book, The Doctory, um, know that the essence of disease is sustained exposure to stress chemistry or threat physiology. So you're in fight or flight for sustained periods of time, people get sick. And we know stress kills people. That's very well, that's very been clearly demonstrated. But it's not psychological. It's your body's total response to a threat. So your immune system fires up, your metabolism is increased, you, you increase fuel consumption, and your body breaks down. And you have to get into a state of safety in order to heal. You cannot heal in a state of threat because you're consuming resources, not regenerating them. So the opposite of pain is smiling. By the way, we just released our app this week. I'll send you. I'll send you the link to it. Okay. It's based on awareness, hope, forgiveness, and play. And play is, you know, anxiety is a neurochemical, physiological state. You know, adrenaline, cortisol, and inflammatory cytokines. But play is also a physiological state of oxytocin, dopamine, anti-inflammatory cytokines. And so, the state of your body's chemistry in play, smiling is optimized that is the, that is the end goal now you can't get there without a sequence of learning how to do this but i think it plays a learned and nurtured skill and i think coming i'm guessing with your background and my background that's that's not really inherent in our training is that a first statement oh yeah you know and it's uh it's interesting you 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 mentioned safety because uh um i've had some experience to be uh crab fishing up in the Bering Sea and, and one, one, one of the boats that I uh, crab with, the, uh, the, the captain always has a saying, safety is freedom. Safety is freedom. Yep. There you go. No, it's good. So I do want to um, really, um, I just, again, I'm, I want to emphasize Tony did write a really nice, concise book. Really, our podcast really followed the outline of the book. It's called Finding Purpose with a Neurosurgeon's um, a Neurosurgeon's Journey of Hope and Healing. And it's very concise, very clear, um, something that you'll stick with you really quickly long-term. One you can also review very quickly. And Tony said there's a website that you can find the book on. You have a website with this? Uh, yes, the website is com. 
findingpurposeavalino.com. So Tony, thank you. I know we've got a couple more podcasts to do on, on different aspects of what we talked about today, but I just want people to understand is that we are humans, even though we're surgeons. Um, even other physicians don't necessarily consider surgeons human, right? <laughs> so that's, it's, I mean, I'll just say, like, like one time I put a course on sale called A Course of Compassion, Empathy in the Phrase of Chronic Pain. And I had several internist friends of mine, they were friends of mine, going, well, how can you put on a course of compassion? You're an orthopedic surgeon. And so I go, okay. I just, anyway, I just looked at him and go, I, I, I didn't say much. I mean, what am I going to say? But anyway, we tend to label each other. We tend to put on this, you know, coat of armor that we're invincible and surgeons are humans and we need to take care of ourselves so we can better take care of you. And uh, Tony, these are excellent advice. I like the outline. I like the conciseness of your book. And I really, really appreciate you being on the podcast today. Oh, sure, Dave. You know, and, and I must say that I truly appreciate the um, opportunity because uh, I remember meeting you uh, uh, years ago and uh, and we had uh, similar stories and we continue to learn learn from each other. But most importantly, uh, the uh, the efforts that you've shown in your practice and people, uh, you have truly changed many, many lives. And uh um, and I appreciate you and, um, thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Thank you. We'll, we'll stay in touch. All right, Dave. Thanks. I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Anthony Avellino for being on the show today and for sharing the tools and principles he used to overcome physician burnout and now uses to help others do the same. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.